Well, the news over WOR New York. I'm Lyle Van. And fresh from a long weekend, huddling around the hot stove, come those two versatile men, Bob and Ray. The afternoon, Radio New York. I'll see you later. See you at 6. Okay, Lyle, thank you. And uh, hello again, everyone. This is uh, Radio New York, or as we like to say, Bob and Radio New York. We think that's really cute. Isn't that a cutie? Isn't that darling? What did I Gosh, what creative little guys you fellas are. It really fits in there, gang. Honestly, Bob and Ray, the way you fellas talk so funny on the radio, I just get so uptight about it. Oh, that's right. Will you please? Oh, boy. Ah. That's a funny guy. What do you got on the air today? Well, I was just looking down here. This is William Jennings Bryan's birthday. He was born in 1960 in Salem, Illinois. Famous, of course, for the Cross of Gold speech denouncing the gold standard. You trying to drive nails over there, Bob, or something? I hear you pounding the table all afternoon. I don't know what the... Maybe we'll put I some walnuts under there. No, it's from it's from speaking to uh, luncheon groups. I, you know, I make a point. I can pass this a lot. Well, anyway, we have a full afternoon guaranteed for you. Uh, Would you be up in New England this weekend? <laughs> I like to practice my New Englandisms every once in a while, just for the people who probably are listening, say on Cape Cod. We go to uh, Cape Cod, uh, Rhode Island, uh, right? Connecticut, anywhere, all around Oregon. Right. Washington. New Jersey. We're going to have the backstages. We're going to have Wally Blue and Adi Skirmahorn's uh, taped coverage of the Saturday St. Patrick's Day Parade. And really, I understand they turned in a, a bang-up job, an awfully good job. We're going to talk with uh, some of the folks in our audience just a second, as a matter of fact. And our special guest today, our featured guest, is the author and uh, uh, expert on uh, people and, and where they disappeared to, Ralph Flinger. And his feature, Mr. I Know Where They Are. And that, of course, is his, his, his nom de plume, so to speak. Who's the fellow who has the book out, you know, uh, Whatever Happened to? Richard well, Ralph Flinger was around long before Richard Lamparski. Right. So, Richard's uh, got a lot of mileage out of where, whatever happened. Yeah, right. But yeah. anyway. But uh, Ralph Flinger was the original. And oh, have you seen that lady? He knows there? where Richard Lamparski is. Bob, uh, whatever happened to him? Uh, have you noticed that lady there in the fifth row in the, in the audience? Holding the ventriloquist yeah, on her lap? Yeah, she looks interesting. Ma'am? Yeah. Do I have enough wire, uh, Ron, to get over? We get the music. Just don't, 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 don't rush. We get to some music. You a professional entertainer, lady? No, I'm not. Uh, because of this dummy I'm holding you in? Yeah. yeah. No, I was married to a ventriloquist. Oh. But I got custody of the dummy. <laughs> see, when we separated. <laughs> My husband took the house and the oh, car yeah. and a few things like that. Right. Uh, why'd you ever agree to a settlement like that? Those, those conditions are kind of... Unusual. If you're not the one in the family who's ventriloquist, what good is the dummy? Well, my husband was really quite good at his trade. He, yeah. he convinced me that this was our little boy. Oh, 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 of course, oh, I realize now that this baloney about a mother's <laughs> love outweighing other considerations can get a person into a fine kettle of fish. I'm telling <laughs> well, you. Well, I think your experience will suck with this thing. And a great lesson to others who may be about to fall into the same trap. And believe me, I know from whence I speak. Are we going to have commercial? Or right, no? commercial. Wally Blue was out there reporting on the uh, the uh, St. Patrick's Day parade uh, Saturday, you know, and uh, he had to take it then because we weren't on the air. So I we was saved all it. Wet. We were we saved it for today. You, uh, Wally, you, you have that awful habit of talking off microphone again. It, it really it's quite disturbing to a person who's listening on one of those small transistor radios. You know, me walking around the street. Yeah, it, to them it's uh, you know almost uh, difficult, almost impossible to pick up. Okay, Ray. Well, I'll try to speak more directly into the microphone so the people may hear what uh, what I have to say and uh, the way I have to say it. You have to say it that way? Bob is not speaking on What do you mean? Well, there's only two chairs, and if he 
sits at one, I have to get up. Let him sit out. I, I wonder if, if we could make arrangements to have you, uh, Wally, broadcast of another studio and he have him, you know, just call him in and have him sit there until we send him out. It's just a passing thought. I mean, I just want this thing to be perfect. I know, I know you do. You're a perfectionist. Brother. <laughs> Webley Webster, ladies and gentlemen. Are... Am I going to play the great harmonica today or the organ? Which? Well, not the organ, because that's in the John Gambling studio for some reason. I, I guess he was threatening to play it last week. I heard the Blue Jacket. John Gambling or the uh, mighty... The organ. Oh, I know. They're replacing it. It's right here. Well, I know that uh, the organ was down at Port Oil since Friday. <laughs> I think that's been fixed. I think that's been taken care of. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Hi, everybody. We've had some great uh, cards and letters over the weekend. We just want to say uh, thanks to one or two, William and Leona Davies in Norwood, New Jersey, who came uh, backstage at our Broadway show a couple of years ago. Said hello. Dorothy Viscovich, I think, uh, sent us a card. Loretta Dinsdorf of Huntington. William Weeb of Summit, New Jersey. Mary Morris of Lawton, and many more. Thank you very much. Appreciate them. Okay, uh, the time now is 3.30, incidentally, and this is uh, Radio New York with Bob and Ray, W.O.R. New York. To get to it, three months, practically, but I was uh, just leaving through the uh, 1973 Old Farmer's Almanac by Robert Thomas. A very interesting definition paragraph here that is kind of worth passing along. A recession is a period in which you tighten up your belt. A depression is a time in which you have no belt to tighten. And when you have no pants to hold up, it's a panic. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Uh, thank you, Bob. The studio. Understand you were signing autographs out there, Ralph. That's all right, Bob. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Oh, it's good to see you. I was just had lunch with Richard Lamparski. Oh, really? Well, I should say our lawyers had lunch with Richard Lamparski. Oh, there's some trouble there, is it? Yes, you see, I've been doing this, where are they, for I a long time. Oh, yeah. I've been doing uh, whatever happened to us when, uh, when Tom X was still making movies. Right. So uh, I think I was a little ahead of uh, Richard Lamparski. Well, you were doing well. whatever happened to us when they were still around. Uh, yes. Like, right. like they hadn't disappeared. Right. But uh, you have been very successful, and you've been off the air for much too long a time. Uh, I don't want to discourage you two fellows, but Lamparski has a whole chapter on whatever happened to you two guys. <laughs> I know he does. That's what makes you feel. Boy, that, that's when you know you've been off the air for some time. <laughs> Well, what's hey, going on? Uh, Ralph, can you go over there and get your material ready? What do you ready? think of Providence? Pretty good basketball team. Oh, Providence is fine, yeah. Right, unbelievable. Right. Boy. Uh, uh, Speaking of that, <laughs> will uh, Santa Luca be along later today? He'll be along about an hour from now. I want to get his autograph. He's busy typing out there and getting his getting his uh, material all together. Very good. Just about an hour. Right. So we've got a lot of things coming along. The backstages, too, of course. And you know why Santa Luca broadcast? He does it in a crouch position, you know, as though he's a <laughs> linebacker. It's really funny. The engineers are scared. Well, that's from years of practice, you know. You look like you're ready to, for the ball to be snapped. Look like he could spring out of that chair and <laughs> no, just it. like that. Oh, a red dog. Oh, what a red dog he could put on. Someday we got to surprise him and throw a football at him in the middle of one of his... One of his... Hey, that's a good idea. Huh? Put yeah. that down on the note. Let me make a note of that. Do we go? Okie doke, and uh, right here it's 12 minutes before 4. I don't know what you folks are interested in the time at this time of day. This is a habit for morning radio that you never never really lose, I guess. Always give the time. Anyway, I want to come over here with this song right here. I never wear a watch. I just don't care what time it is. I just don't care. Do you know, uh, I know a lot of people who yeah, don't do that. It's just, time is just forget. I'm sure the watch people are not happy to hear that, but... They you just, have a general idea what time it is. You know it's you can late look, afternoon. You can look most anywhere, most anywhere you are, and you can see a clock. You can always say, buddy, you got the correct got time? The right time, right. Sure. Uh, ma'am, uh, I'd like yes. to 
Talk with you a little bit here. Uh -huh. you, uh, you, you've got a pyramid of cannonballs piled up in the aisle beside you. Do you plan to bombard something a little later no, on? No, these are just my samples, sir. I travel around from one county seat to another, selling pyramids of cannonballs as courthouse lawn decorations. You always carry them around loose this way, or what? Well, uh, how would you suggest I carry them? Have you ever seen the sample case that a pyramid of cannonballs would fit into? No, now that you mention it, I don't no, think I have. Hey. You really got to kind of carry them that way, yeah. huh? Uh, I guess you've given every alert sample case manufacturer something to mull over. I hope so. Maybe they'll come up with it. Uh, while they're mulling, let me speak with this gentleman. Can I just get through here? <coughs> you seem to be taking notes on everything we say there. Is there any reason for that? Jay, to be perfectly honest uh, with you, I don't know. You see, I landed with a bunch of other enemy agents about a week ago. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But uh, somehow I got separated from the rest of the fellows before I found out what my secret orders were. Uh -huh. I think I'm supposed to be spying on something uh, but I don't know uh, whether it's this show or what, you know. <laughs> that doesn't seem very likely. No. I wish you'd put that hand grenade in your pocket, though. <laughs> don't pull a pin out of that. Yes. Uh, don't imagine you're permitted to tell us the name of the country that hired you to do this espionage work, are well, you? Well, I might be permitted to, but that's another thing I never found out. You see, all that stuff was in the sealed envelope the head guy was supposed to open at the airport and read to the rest of us. Right. But I got all mixed up trying to get down on the up escalator, and by the time I got to the bottom, nobody was around, see? Believe me, I've never been in such a mess in all my life. Well, I wouldn't worry about it. There are two federal agents coming into the control room right now, and I imagine you'll be in a far greater mess pretty soon. I suppose so. But uh, it's been fun having you here for the first hour anyway. Right. Let us know what happens to you after you get dragged away. I'm... Mary, have you done any more thinking about uh, Bess Myerson's well, job uh, as consumer advocate? I've given it some thought, but my... Have My you, phone hasn't exactly been ringing, you know. Have you discussed it with anybody in, in, in officialdom? Abraham what? Beam. You talked to Abe Beam about it? Yeah. What, what was his reaction? Have he any... said, uh, kasi kasa. <laughs> well, I, think I don't know what that means. <laughs> America's favorite family of the footlights and their fight for security and happiness against the concrete height of Broadway. Today, the backstages are brought to you by American Airlines, who suggest you go to Palm Springs. You can have seven days and six nights at a great hotel, plus sightseeing. Only $311 based on double occupancy, including round-trip airfare. American Airlines to the good life. It's shortly after our last episode now at the backstage summer home in Skunk Haven, Long Island, as we see Mary Harry, Greg Marlowe, young playwright secretly in love with Mary, and Calvin L. Hoogevin, their next-door neighbor, and Pop Beloved, who have just arrived. And we hear Mary say... Oh, come in, Calvin. Hey, uh, Calvin. Tell us about what happened down in Washington. Hadn't expected to see you two back here for some time. Oh, buddy. Well, you'll never believe what happened. They called the hearings off or adjourned them anyway. They adjourned the hearings uh, for at least four weeks. Adjourned the hearings? Yeah, well, they couldn't get anybody over from the White House to talk or anything, so they just said, well, let's cool it for a while. Pretty exciting. Oh, 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 me. Are those Spanish penis there? Well, yes, they are. Why, do I have a fistful? Help yourself. Sure, thank you. Well, that's certainly a surprise. I know Ralph Crusader must be pretty upset that they've postponed the hearings. He was all set to really take off after those faulty sock manufacturers. Well, yes, he was. Uh, oh, he had the stuff on him. But he's a cool, cool number. Cool cat, huh? You can't get him disturbed. No, sir, Ralph just takes it in stride like nobody's business. Well, what's the news around here, Barry? What's new? Are those uh, mixed nuts over there? Uh, yes. Oh. And there's macadamians over here. Well, let me try these mixed nuts first, and I'll get to the macadamians in a little while. Well, they just moved in. 
<laughs> Calvin, take news uh, without Calvin. <laughs> well, I said to you, you always had her. Too bad it never put you in the comedy. The big news with us is that Greg Marlowe, young playwright secretly in love with Mary here, has just planned to produce a new Broadway show starring the both of us. Sounds like a flop. The both of you? You and Mary back on Broadway? That's right. What's it going to be, a comedy or... Well, we don't know. We haven't read the script yet, have we, Greg? Greg was going to leave it with us before he went back to New York today. Somebody went into these uh, Spanish peanuts. Well, yes, just Calvin. What? Well, there are none left, Calvin. They're my favorite, you know. You ate all of them? Well, I didn't know. I thought you people were here. I, I didn't know. What's the play going to be called? There weren't more than 40 in there. Well, there we weren't 40 Spanish peanuts. Certainly more than one festival. Practically nothing. I don't uh, look at it that way. What's the play going to be called, well, Harry? Sorry, I didn't mean to start up World War IV. Well, don't get in a fight over Spanish penis. There are other nuts over there, mixed nuts in that bowl. Uh, who are you looking at when you say that? <laughs> I'm looking at you. No, really, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was going to cause a storm by taking a few penis. What's the play going to be called, uh, Harry? It's called Westchester Furioso, Bob. Or a comedy? Well, we don't know. We haven't read it yet, but it sounds like it's... Right down our alley, the kind of thing that Mary and I are so good at. Singing, dancing, that sort of thing. I hear you're going to use your hand as a model for holding a chainsaw in a big magazine ad. Well, that's just a, a little fringe benefit that you get from being starred on Broadway. Have you stopped writing your nails? When do you start rehearsing, do you know, Harry? No, I don't. Uh, Greg will let us know all about that as soon as his plans are concrete. Oh, excuse me, I see an ambulance coming up the driveway. <laughs> So Calvin and Pop have returned from Washington. Mary and Harry prepare to read Greg Marlowe's script for his new production, Orlando Furioso. Be sure and join us tomorrow when we'll hear more about the ambulance and we'll hear Calvin say, What is this, 90 proof or what? In the next exciting episode of Mary Backstage, Noble What? Word Car Speaking. Thank you, sir. It's uh, 25 past four now. Say, the backstage is getting into some excitement now. Oh, right, look, they're, they're never... They're never better than when they're in production for a Broadway show. Calling George Mead, I was about to introduce a, a feature that Wally Blue made last Saturday. Uh, this is a, a tape that he made while he was killing time, waiting for the parade to start. Would you roll that, please? Leave a little uh, killing time here before the parade starts. Uh, there's some uh, 30 or 45 minutes before any actual uh, action takes place, so I'm going to chat with a gentleman here who seems to be in a rather unusual line of work. He's wearing a uniform and bearing firearms. I understand it, sir, though you're not a member of any branch of our nation's armed forces. No, not in the uh, federal sense of any of the things uh, like you get drafted for, anything like that. Right, right. Actually, I'm employed uh, by the city. I'm what is known as a policeman. A policeman. And are there others with that same title here in New York who make up uh, some kind of local militia or what? Well, yes, there are other policemen in New York besides myself, but uh, we're not exactly what you'd call a militia. I mean, a militia would mostly wait around to fight off invasions, put down revolutions and things like that. But uh, that's how a policeman do. Uh, your group doesn't care about invasions, revolutions? Is that Would I be correct saying that? Well, I would want to go on record as saying we don't care about them. It's just that the average policeman spends more time hunting for criminals, say. Ah, oh, how's that so? How, how do you know where to hunt for them? Well, I don't know where uh, we hunt for them in any special place. Uh, usually, we just wait for people to call in and tell us about crimes that have been committed, and then we start hunting around for the criminal. You know, neighborhood places like that. Why do people bother to call you? Don't they have the necessary license to hunt for criminals themselves, or have most of them already bagged their limit for the season, or just what's the story there? Well, uh, it's not exactly a question of having a license, and there's uh, no quota on the number you can get. It's just that most people don't particularly want to go out and hunt for criminals. They'd rather call a policeman and have him do it. That's well, that's all. a lucky break for you policemen, having to feel all of yourselves that way. I suppose the government pays you a bounty for every uh, criminal you get. 
No, no, it doesn't work that way at all. No, we just pay the regular salary. If it doesn't make any difference, how many countries we shoot or anything? It takes the sport out of the thing, doesn't it, a little bit? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, the city uh, isn't really too hot, you know, about having us to shoot people like that. Oh. In fact, the police officials prefer to bring them in alive. Uh-huh. Do the officials have some sort of a plan for putting them on display in one of the parks where people can feed them peanuts? No, the city doesn't put its criminals out where you can feed the peanuts. In fact, most of them uh, are even kept here in town. They're sent away up the river somewhere. Ah. And uh, then the people up there eventually turn them loose again. And then that way you police would have a chance to hunt for the same ones more than once. Well, sometimes. Of course, uh, when they turn loose, we have to wait for them to commit another crime. Sure. So start hunting for them again. Otherwise, they're not criminals anymore. So. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to offend you, but it sounds kind of silly to me. I'm certainly not surprised that the idea hasn't caught on in any other city. Yeah, yeah. You know, thinking back over the way I described it to you, I'm inclined to agree with you. Fabulous. <laughs> Excuse me, I have to go down and uh, turn the switch down at the corner so the light will change color every 90 seconds. Well, what in the world has that got to do with hunting criminals? I don't have the slightest idea. Uh-huh. Uh, goodbye. This is Wally Blue covering the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I'll have more reports with my broadcasting partner, Artie Scarbohorn, uh, a little bit later. Now back to the... Okay, we have it here in the... Uh, stu- and uh, we're ready for whatever else is, is uh, in line. I guess it would be... Say hello to uh, Chester Hasbrook Frisbee, who writes uh, very backstage. I think you really, well, uh, uh, you really touched on some timely things there already, uh, well, Jack. I, uh, I just want to remind you that you don't always have to refer to me as Chester Hasbrook Frisbee. It seems a little stilted to me, actually. It sounds as though, uh, you know, I'm somebody set apart from the average person with just a first name, middle initial, and last name. I notice a lot of our mail, uh, Chester Hasbrook Frisbee, is asking, uh, where is the story going to go? He has a, once, a stone uh, ear when I talk to him. Once uh, Mary and Harry hit the boards again, once they return to Broadway, what, what, what's going to happen? Can you give us any hint? Well, uh, Robert Brackett Elliott, let me put it this way to you. Uh, yes, uh, it's going to be a smash success. I think it will be the first time in the history of the Baxters that they will be involved in a hit Broadway show. Well, it's going to be in the Minskoff Theater, but I guess there won't be any room for that for a while. It won't be in the Ritz. It is. Mm-hmm. Chester Hasbrook Frisbee, thank you for coming by and talking with us. The author of Mary Backstage. I mean, really. Noble one. Check with all the sports news now. I haven't thought of for a while. That reminds me that... Uh, the man who knows all about where people are, whom you may have forgotten, Ralph Flinger, Mr. I know where they are, is going to be along, together with the backstages and some other features uh, here at uh, Bob and Radio New York. Radio New York, WOR 710. Radio New York it is. Bob and Ray here. Just so, so happy to be sitting here at these microphones. We each have one, and... We have two chairs, and we have a lot of things to do between now and six. Microphones have changed now through the years, too. These are mighty fancy-looking microphones compared to what they used to be. I'd like to show them to you sometime. I have a folder. Write to me. Care of microphone. Here's your mail, Bob and Ray. Thank you. Young Square to work for us. Wilbur Connolly. Uh, some of the letters that we've had, as we mentioned earlier... Really yeah, a nice note from the Gebhardt and Bound Brook, yep. New Jersey. And Marjorie Leon Auerbach wrote a very nice letter. Margaret Walsh in Brooklyn, Mrs. Bannon in White Plains. And the lady at the uh, Equitable Stationery uh, shop in our building. Oh, she let boy, can she sell envelopes. Driving home. She's got some great little oh. envelopes that I buy all the time. Oh, really? they got glue on them and everything. And uh, thanks to all of you people. And it's nice to know that you're listening, that you're enjoying... And what we have to offer, whatever. You know, why don't we put up a piece of plastic where he throws that bag through the glass every day? We could save a ton of money, you know, right. in glazier fees. Okay. 
Ryoski, it's good to you. Now, it's time to uh, run those tapes that Wally Blue made last Saturday, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Play Blue here. Uh, at my vantage point on Fifth Avenue, the uh, parade, of course, uh, is going to take most of the afternoon. It is raining uh, a little bit right here. Uh, further up the avenue, my broadcasting partner, Artie Skeberhardt, is standing by to report things from his uh, vantage point. Some of the color, the, the pageantry that, of course, goes into each St. Patrick's Day parade, despite what the weather is. Artie, do you want to check in? And this is Artie Skerbohorn. Yeah, yes, uh, Wally, it's uh, raining here. And, uh, of course, uh, if it's rain or shine, the parade will continue. The color and the pageantry of this parade is familiar to us all. Uh, as I stand here... Cut, excuse me, Artie, uh, there's a band uh, just passing by here. Let's cut down and get some of that band music, can we? Well, the color and pageantry... Uh, continues as these thousands of paraders, uh, despite the weather, uh, march up Fifth Avenue toward uh, 86th Street, where they'll turn uh, east, uh, making a right turn there for us, uh, ending somewhere east of uh, Fifth Avenue. Honey? Thank you, Wally. Uh, the parade will go up Fifth Avenue and will uh, turn right at 86th Street. Um, thousands are participating in the parade right now. Oh, and a band is about to play. Let's swing down and pick up a little of that music. Let me take it away briefly, Artie. I think I covered uh, most of the items that uh, you did in uh, your report just then. There is a band approaching now. Uh, from my point uh, of view, I'd like to have you pick that up, if you will, engineer, and get some of that music. Certainly colorful and uh, a beautiful sight to see these sprightly marchers as they step off uh, briskly up uh, Fifth Avenue on this slightly damp day, the St. Patrick's Day, the 1973. Day. I think I covered that uh, pretty well, Artie, in my last report. It's, uh, uh, I don't know as you can hear me, Wally. I said that the traders are stepping briskly along here today. And, uh, that's saying just what I said, ladies and gentlemen. So they're very loud. On a wet, uh, wet, rainy uh, St. Patrick's Day. The band uh, right here now. I'm going to cut in, Artie. Excuse me. I want to pick some of this music up for you. That's about it for this report. Uh, Wally Blue speaking for Artie Skirmahorn, my broadcasting partner. Uh, we'll be back with more of the St. Patrick's Day Parade in the future. Well, what... Hey, that was... Hear that? Another tape of uh, a little bit later on when it was raining a little heavier. We have... Fine. I think we all should do that. And now here he is, Mr. Ralph Flinger. Uh, Mr. I know where they are. He's seated right next to me. So uh, let's start the proceedings right off by asking Mr. Flinger if he knows where Spencer Groover, the man who invented the wallet... Where he is today. Well, Ray, many people are under the mistaken impression that Spencer Groover invented the wallet. He didn't. It was invented by a man named Samuel Porfil, who happened to mention his idea to Groover. And Porfil now works as head uh, buffer in a tannery in Jamestown, New York. Groover is a millionaire and lives in his own department store. For goodness sake. There was a man called Norman Brewster who once invented a clip so that uh, when you picked up the sugar from a lunch counter the menu wouldn't fall down. You know, where is he today? Well, while Brewster thought his invention was a good idea at the time, he later found that most people enjoyed having the menu fall to the table. However, Brewster did well anyway. He lives in Death Valley with his family and has enjoyed the remarkable success prospecting for lead. I see. Now, uh, many years ago, there was a marathon dancer by the name of Bessie Farley. She was the girl who danced for a solid year without stopping. Yes. Could you tell us what ever became of her? Yes, she married a foot doctor from Chicago. Later, she and her husband found that they didn't care for Chicago, so they moved to Fort Lincoln, Nebraska, where they're both involved in visual education. They manufacture the 
little pictures that go into those telescopic eyepieces. <laughs> oh, yes, I've seen those. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Mr. Flinger. We have so much business to do. Will you stay by, and uh, we'll ask you some more questions in just a little bit. Be very happy to. So much fun to talk to Mr. I Know Where They Are, Ralph Flinger. Thank you. Still uh, here in the studio with us is uh, Mr. Flinger of... Uh, Mr. I know where they are. You know, uh, your fund of knowledge is really amazing, uh, Ralph. How do you manage to keep tabs on all these people? Well, I have a good deal of free time on my hands, and that helps uh, quite a bit. Let's get to the next question. All right. Do you know where Lewis Gorby, the man responsible for the vent in back of men's jackets, is today? I'm glad you asked that question. There's an interesting story uh, connected with that. Gorby got his idea for the vent by watching theater curtains. Somewhat the same ideas you can... See, but the theater curtain uh, really isn't a vent, actually. I know, a curtain separates uh, when it's pulled down. A suit doesn't do that. That's right. So when Gorby uh, represented the idea as being his own, the theater curtain people sued. And it was quite a legal battle that uh, dragged on for many years. Oh, really? Who won? Well, the theater curtain people. The courts ruled that the vent uh, was too much of a coincidence. And uh, where is Gorby today? Well, his exposure to the courts uh, taught him a lesson. He's now taking a law course at Clinker University in Canada. Anybody else you'd like to know well, about? Let's see, I think uh, the year was 19... Correct me if I'm wrong, 1933. 33, When yes. Peter Mildew went over the Niagara Falls in a barrel. Do you know where he is today? Uh, not precisely, but uh, every effort is being made to find him. I mean, he's still missing after all these years? And they're still searching? <laughs> all right, and uh, for the last, where is he? Uh, tell me, whatever became of Harley Stutz, the famous polo player? Well, that's a difficult one, Ray, because Stutz uh, moves around quite a bit. He's an international playboy these days, uh-huh. and that keeps him uh, hopping. However, I met him three years ago at the gaming tables at Monte Carlo, where he's having a run of bad luck. He'd lost $6 million and was in a rather bad mood. I can understand. So when I asked him where he was going, he hit me with his lucky mallet. So you don't know where he is then today at all? Well, he married Greta Snow, a rich heiress from Iceland, but I doubt that he's living there. Stutz uh, still likes to get in an occasional chucker of polo, and I imagine he'd find controlling a horse on some of those slippery Icelandic polo fields a bit of a problem. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I can't do any better than that. Well, you did very well today, and we want to thank you for coming Pleasure by. To be here. We know you have such a busy schedule. No, I don't really. Thank you, Mr. No. You know where they are. Ralph, was it Flinger? Yes. Flinger. You did a fine job. And uh, be with us again, will you, next week? Possibly? Well, one of your friends might be located, and you can tell us all about it. I'll try to make it, Ray. Very good. Uh, turn to sports news now here at Radio New York. Flinger for dropping by. Mr. I know where they are. You really provided us with some interesting facts about people we had forgotten about. Right, you always do. Uh, just you. a reminder that we'll be back again tomorrow with more of the features that, uh, that we've been serving up the last few days. Yes. So, until then, have a good evening. And until tomorrow, this is Ray Goulding reminding you to write if you get work. Bob Elliott reminding you to hang by your thumbs. And this is WOR New York. <laughs>